Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good to see everybody here. We're going to move quickly into the Word today. Got a little bit of ground to cover, and I know that it's a beautiful day outside. We got lots of people to witness to out there. Amen? All right. So we've been talking about so many things. It's just bad when when you miss, and not not to condemn anyone, but I'm telling you, the Lord is just teaching us so much and, and sharing so much with us. And in these days in which we live, it's important that we are prepared and armed with everything that God has given us as provision and tools to walk a victorious life in this life. Amen? Amen. How many of you know salvation is eternal life? And that begins at the moment of salvation. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to walk in power and victory. Amen? Amen. We were talking uh, about an attitude of gratitude for one thing, since it's... Uh, since it's uh, Thanksgiving month, uh, I think that should go on any, uh, all year long, amen? But an attitude of gratitude is something that is really, really important, and we're going to look into that a little closer today, because we've been learning for many months about uh, how everything's in seed form in the kingdom of God, and how our hearts are the garden of our soul, amen? And if we put in good seed or bad seed, uh, the truth of God's word or the lies of the world and the deception of the world. It's going to produce after its kind. The garden of our heart is not just like the garden in my backyard. It doesn't care what kind of seed I put in it. It's going to release the power within that seed. It'll produce after its kind. And our hearts are the same way. Amen. So we have to be very careful there. And we're learning about sowing and reaping and some of those things. So let's look a little closer today. Uh, as you know... Terrible things are happening in this world. You know, you'd have to be, uh, you know, I try to, <laughs> I try to ignore a lot of it. Uh, my 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 stepdad tells me that I, I just stick my head in the sand. But you know, it only takes me a minute to catch up on what's going on. I don't have to stare at it all day long, you know, and let all that negative go in because I, I get it. I get it. It's ugly. And uh, but you know, God is still on the throne. He's not worried. He's uh, Jesus is coming soon, just like John was just talking about. He's been giving me 9-11, got it again this morning, and I know exactly what that means. It's just a sense of urgency that God has on getting His work accomplished because time is short. Amen? It's not anything that should scare us, but it really should prepare us. If you haven't noticed, we are in the last days, so... And I could really prove that up to you through Scripture. Of course, no one knows the day or the hour, so don't fall for those tricks either. But um, you can see, according to Scripture, the, the things that it talks about happening in the last days, they're evident now. Amen? I want to kind of revisit a couple of things I was talking about Sunday. I just want to say that the sense of urgency that I'm talking about should really just inspire and compel us to get the good news out because we still are ambassadors of the good news of God's grace. This gospel is the literally almost too good to be true news. And that is the truth of God's word. Uh, the negative stuff is uh, maybe true, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf and the fact that it's a free gift to all who will humble themselves and receive it and receive the accept the lord as their lord and master amen Amen. and john 4 jesus said my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work i don't want to be sitting on the sidelines when he returns amen 
He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then come the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So what he's saying here is that, you know, a lot of times we might say, well, you know, I've already tried the people in my family and the friends that I know, the people around me, they're not really ready to hear it. I've already tried. And so, you know, that's okay. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't, don't, don't say there's nobody to talk to. He said the, the fields are ripe for harvest. He's talking about souls out there. There's always somebody who needs to hear the good news. If the person you're trying to reach doesn't want to hear it right now, move on. Move on. Expand your boundaries a little bit and you will find some people. Amen. And it says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that's talking about all those who will evangelize. He says, So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. This is important. Because Jesus here is establishing a spiritual law that no one was aware of before. That you can reap where you have not sown. Amen. This is a blessing. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. He said others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Praise God. This is good news. I want to explain a little bit about what we believe. And first of all I have to establish that the fact about the, the law of sowing and reaping is a reality. In Galatians 6 he says... Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So he has established a law of sowing and reaping in the book of Genesis from the beginning. And he used examples of natural seeds. And, and like we've shown, these are always ex examples of spiritual truth. So everything's in seed form. And this law of sowing and reaping is, is still a reality and it always will be. But listen, everybody knows you reap what you sow. Even people that are not of the Christian faith. Isn't that what they call karma? But let me ask you a question. If we stop there, what would be the difference between us and the rest of the world who are trying to earn their salvation? We don't stop there. So what we want to say is, yes, a life of repentance is good because this law of sowing and reaping is a reality. If you're sowing to your flesh... You're going to reap a harvest of death and corruption into your life. If you're sowing into the Spirit of God, you're walking in agreement with the Word of God, you will reap a harvest of peace, love, and joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And all the ugly things are the fruit of sowing to your flesh. We know these things to be true, and they're not going to change. It's a spiritual and natural law that God has set in place until He comes and destroys this earth. But... Having said that, we have to know the whole counsel of God. One of the problems perpetuated in and throughout the church is the fact that they take certain truths and magnify those to the exclusion of others. And that brings error and it will cause people a lot of trouble and pain and confusion. And we know God is not the author of confusion. Amen. Sowing and reaping is for sure. That's not going to change. But I'm here to tell you that under grace... We can believe for some crop failure. Amen? That's good. 
You reap what you sow. So live a life of repentance. Honor God with your lives, no doubt. Right? But under the grace of God, I have the ability to dig up some of the seed and keep it from bringing me a harvest of death and destruction, don't I? You see, the devil wants you to be condemned. He wants you to be focused on your sin and the things that have caused you the problems in your life. He wants to remind you of all the terrible things that you've done, that you've thought, that you've said, that you've not said. And he's good at reminding you of these things. He wants to convince you that you are due this harvest that you are reaping that is negative and hard for you. And you have to endure it because, after all, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and you're reaping what you sow. But let me tell you, the devil is a liar. He's always been a liar. And if you let him, he'll lie to you. And if you believe it, you see, you're a creative being just like your Father in heaven. The devil has no power without you. He needs to get you to believe him so that you will create some things for him. And if he can get you to believe the lie and speak it out and believe it, then you will create the things of death and destruction that he wants you to harvest in your life. But you don't have to. You don't have to anymore. Yes, if you got a problem, if you're still doing something that's destructive, repent, turn to God, and, and he, will, he, will, he has forgiven you. Just receive it by faith. And let Him help you to change because the same grace of God that provides forgiveness provides the power to overcome any challenge in your life. Amen? Self-discipline is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? God's always there to help you for everything. You have a kinsman redeemer now, Jesus Christ, who has paid the price of redemption. In the old days when they wrote this word, redemption was a familiar term. To them, that was the cost to buy, to purchase the life of a slave out of slavery. And now God has taken you and bought you out of slavery through Jesus Christ. And now He has called you a joint heir with Christ. You are a child of God with the same rights and privileges as the natural born child, Jesus Christ Himself. Even though you were once a slave. That's good news, folks. That's good news. Praise God, preaching. <laughs> Amen. The devil wants you to focus on the negative seed you've sown. But grace is telling you focus on the provision, on the payment, on the blessing of God on your behalf. God wants you to see another spiritual law at work here. It says, by the grace of God, I can harvest where I have not sown. Amen. This is the good news. We touched on how crazy religion can make you. I won't read the whole thing again, but in John chapter 9, Jesus was with his disciples one day, and he came across a man who had been blind from birth. Blind from birth, okay? And the disciples asked him, check this out. They knew the law of sowing and reaping. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This man, how did he sin to make himself born blind. Hello? Did he, did he sin in the womb? I mean, was he really kicking it up in there? Yeah. But you see what religion will do to people? They always want to point the finger. I wonder what they did. I wonder what he did to cause this in his life. You see? And you know what Jesus said? Neither. Neither him or his parents have sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. In other words... 
didn't take all the punctuation out there and just read it just like that because Jesus is like, neither one, but let's, I'm going to heal him though because this is, this is what I do. Now, I'll tell you who sinned. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They sinned, didn't they? That's what brought sin and corruption. Good things happen to bad, bad things happen to good people. And vice versa. <laughs> but we're in a fallen world. This world has got corruption and sin in it. And the devil is, is still very active and, and alive. And everything is not because you did something to deserve it. He wants to kill you. And on the other hand, everything good that happens to you. If anybody here, any of you, if you died today, are you going to heaven? Oh, one. I've got a lot of work to do. Okay, a few of you. Praise God. Well, if, if you're going to heaven, if you're going to heaven, then you're reaping. You're already reaping where you have not sown. You haven't done anything to entitle yourself to, you know, none of you are going to stand before God and say, I'm here because I was good enough to be here. You'd be rejected, wouldn't you? You're on Jesus' merits now. You're, you're there because Jesus paid the price. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see Adam anymore. He sees Jesus. Perfect and holy. Incorruptible in your spirit, which is the one-third of you which has already been saved. Amen? Now we're working on this. This mind, this free will, these emotions, this computer that has been misprogrammed by the world for all these years. And now we're trying to get it into agreement with God and find out through the Word, with the help of the Holy Spirit, what God says about us and who we are now in our born-again spirit now that that sin nature has been evicted and the nature of God is in us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God. We're reaping blessings where we did not sow. That's the grace of God. And I'm telling you, in these last days, there's going to be a supernatural transfer of revelation knowledge in the body of Christ. Jesus is going to be removing some lampstands, just like he starts off in Revelation talking about. He's going to get rid of a lot of these religious spirits, and he's going to put in some people who he's given understanding about his true nature and his true love and his true feelings for you. And the help that he has given his son to die for you to provide you with in this life. And the home he's preparing for you in heaven and all the wonderful things that he says you you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine the wonderful things I've got in store for those who love me. This is the real God. So many people see him as an angry old man sitting in heaven just waiting to cast a, a, a thunderbolt at you if you step out of line. That's not the God that I know. First of all, he's not old. Old age is part of the curse, and that's part of death. He's not old. <laughs> Praise God. He's ancient. I want to show you a little bit about, before I get into this, this reading, some of the ways that God is planning for the children of God, things you're entitled to now. And in the days to come, I believe we're going to be beginning to reap a greater harvest of things we have not sown, good things from the grace and blessing of God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and starting at verse 10. And this is what the Lord was explaining to the Israelites as he was bringing them into the promised land, which is a picture of our salvation. Amen. Amen. And though our gifts are not laying on the ground like theirs that are in the spiritual realm, we learning how to bring those spiritual gifts into manifestation here in this natural realm where we can use them. And how do you bring the grace of God into manifestation here? You are saved by grace through faith. 
Praise God. You get a gold star. He says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He sware to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. Deuteronomy 8.10 says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. God has got great things for his children. And many of us have been living below our inheritance. Amen. Amen. And why? Because doesn't, doesn't Peter tell us in Second Peter, the first chapter, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And he tells us how. Through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, for these things to be multiplied or manifest into our life, which is what he's saying, because everything's already been given to us in the spiritual realm. If God hadn't done it, he's not going to do it. He did it because of Jesus has already been settled and put into your account spiritually now you need to learn how to make the withdrawals amen you need to learn how to write the checks by faith and god is going to honor them every time and every time you take uh, two mites out of his account it's not depleted two mites you can't take anything from it It, it's never ending amen and you're entitled to everything that heaven has for you so according to the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord so we're learning we're learning how to farm spiritually how to harvest where we have not sown amen Amen. it says whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust so we're partaking of these promises of god where they're found in the word we just wrap our faith around them and stand in faith believing amen i'm going to show you something today that we can know God's will for our lives. Amen? Okay. Sorry about that. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. The devil, the thief, come only but for to steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm not talking about a life of ease with no troubles. In this life, Jesus said you will have tribulations. But rejoice, for I have overcome the world. Amen? The same grace that provides us with forgiveness and blessings is the same grace that empowers us to live a life free from the bondage to sin. But the will of God is for me and for you to live free of sickness, of oppression from the devil, of strife, of all the negative things, of poverty and lack. All these things are of the devil, not of God. Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus Christ Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. In other words, no one ever came to Jesus for healing or anything else that he did not provide them with. Any godly thing. Amen. What's the importance of that? So who cares what he did for a bunch of folks 2,000 years ago when he was here? I tell you, you should care because Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it for one, he'll do it for you. That leper asked him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be clean. 
Now we don't have to ask because that's written in that book and we know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know what his will is because he's willing. We are healed. We are cleansed. We are made free just by asking and receiving by faith. Amen? Amen. Provisions in the promises. It's all yours. Glory to God. I'm getting excited because I'm coming up to the place where I want to show you one of the keys to the Christian life. We're growing in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. The undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor and blessing of God. It's all ours in Christ. Most of us have faced terrible situations and circumstances in our life. And I know most of you, and I know at least that much about each of us. Maybe some of us are going through terrible things now, and I know that about some of you too. Maybe it seems like the deck is kind of stacked against you sometimes. (laughs) The odds are way against you, you know. I've been there. In my own strength, I came up short every time. There was a time, a great deal of my life, when I thought that it was only me against the world. I was alone spiritually. I was alone in many ways uh, in the natural. And so I felt like I had to do it all in my own strength. And to the extent that I tried, I always came up lacking. When I was successful, it resulted in arrogance and pride, which is destruction. When I failed, which was more times than not, I came up short, beaten, betrayed, reaping terrible harvests from seed I had sown and and frankly that others had sown uh, too, reaping where I had not sown, amen, reaping from Adam's seed. (laughs) So I was hopeless, alone, but now I'm not alone. I have Jesus Christ, I have God and I know that he's on my side and I've pressed in to the extent that now I've learned some things. He's given me greater revelation knowledge of Him and His will and His truth. For one, to help you all to come into greater understanding and walk in better victory too. But one, just because He loved me so much. And He loves you all the same. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did it for one, He'll do it for you. Amen? He wants to help you to walk in the victory that we're always talking about. The victory that Jesus has provided. The victory He said He came To give you this abundant life of an overcomer. You can walk in the peace that he gave us as a gift. In John 14, 27 on that faithful night. He said, peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. This is our part. We have a part to play. It's a relationship. And this is one of the key things that you need to know. In receiving from God. Is that. It's not just all up to Him. He's not sovereign to the extent that He's just going to force some blessings on you. You have to learn to walk in agreement and receive by faith. Amen. Amen. This is one of the keys. But the key we're talking about today is something else. When enemies are lined up against you and it seems too great to overcome, God is mighty and He is able. He's able to save by many or few, isn't He, Frank? We know that. But we know that he surely has the ability to overcome any adversary in our lives. Frank and I are starting to learn that if we have an opportunity to go up against our enemies with a thousand or with just two or three, we might take the two or three because we're learning how God works in those situations. Amen. When he knows you have to give him the glory and the credit, that's when he shows off even the more. eh? Amen. (laughs) Hey, I don't know where that came from. Praise God. But I want to tell you the key that I'm talking about today is simply giving thanks. 
Now, don't let it fool you because it seems very simple. It is a simple thing. Most things in the kingdom of God are, but it doesn't mean they're easy. Because when you're in these situations and circumstances that we're talking about today, and I know because I've been in a lot of them, it's hard to lift up holy hands and give praise and thanks to God. Sometimes those arms can feel like the heaviest things in the world. The last thing you want to do is give thanks for anything when in the natural you don't see anything to be thankful for. Let me tell you, for starters, that's when the enemy has lied to you already because there's always plenty to give thanks for. We tend to focus on things that are negative and destructive and the problems and situations and circumstances in our life instead of the positive things God has done and the provision that He's provided through His promises. And we're like we're made like a seesaw. We can only have one end up at a time. You can't focus on the goodness and the magnitude of God and His greatness and His love for you and focus on your terrible situation at the same time. You have to choose. And it is a choice. You can control what goes on between your ears. If you don't believe me, we'll just put a TV screen on your forehead that shows all your thoughts. And I guarantee you they'll change. <laughs> Some of you will get that later too. But Thanksgiving is a key to your victory. And I'm going to show you something here. Turn to Second Chronicles with me. And I'm going to read a little bit to you. And then we're going to be done here today. But this is a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to chew the fat for a minute. You know I laugh at my own jokes. I have to go and edit all this out when I laugh at my own jokes. But, but it's just funny to me. When I talk about King Jehoshaphat, I say we're chewing the fat. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Israel was facing the united threat of three armies, three nations against them, Frank, and they are small. And God provided a great victory for Israel. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar. That is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. That's wise. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. At the temple of the Lord. In the front of the new courtyard. And said, Lord, the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? This is a picture of your salvation. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not let Israel not allow us to invade when we came out of Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came 
on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So the man of God speaks up. He gets a word of prophecy from God. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be, you're going to get some new favorite scriptures here. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. How? The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. He caused these three armies to kill each other. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. They hadn't escaped themselves. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. Listen to this. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. They hadn't raised a hand against these enemies that came against them. God had fought their battle. And look at the plunder they're rewarded with. This is our God. Hello. This is Old Testament stuff of a picture of your new salvation. And listen, you have a better covenant now with better promises than these people did then. Amen. Amen. <laughs> On the fourth Amen. day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. That Hebrew meaning for Barakah is blessing. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Now they were tired and they probably went home and didn't come to church for a week or two, right? No. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. They went to church, went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Isn't that beautiful? You should lay claim to all these wonderful things. Amen? Amen. 
You starting to see how the kingdom of God works? The provision is in the promises. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He loves you as much as anybody who ever lived. Amen? Amen. God is love. He's not about to change. You see in verse 12, Jehoshaphat said, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That doesn't sound like an alarm. That sounds like a knucklehead. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's all right. That's all right. Praise the Lord. We're almost done. That's just, uh, see, that was just a trumpet blast and a hallelujah. Lord, thank you, Jesus. It wasn't a knucklehead. It was Jesus honking the horn, shouting hallelujah. There you go. Keep it up, son. You're on the right track. I'm encouraged. Man, thank you, Lord, for encouraging me like that. So he said, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I just want to point out a couple of these verses and then and then we're done. But that's wise. That's wise what Jehoshaphat did. That's humility. We can't do it without you. But you can, and our eyes are upon you. Now we're just going to wait and see what you have to say, because without you, we're nothing. That's the place where we all need to live, right there. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, I tried to live this life in my own strength, and I'm surprised that I'm still standing here. It's only the mercy and favor of God that has allowed me to live to tell the story. Amen? Amen. It's better with God. It's better dependent upon Him. Not trying to take the credit for anything in your life, but give it to Him. He's worthy. Amen. Here's what, here's what they said. The prophetic word of encouragement. And this is what God says to you today in verse 15. Don't be afraid or dismayed. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You need not fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf For the Lord is with you. Amen. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. This is the victorious life of an overcomer. But here's the real point. Look at these incentives for us to trust the Lord in challenging times. But look more closely and see see a law of reaping mercy and grace in the time of need through thanksgiving. By giving thanks. You know, this is, I love, I love military, the war channels and all that stuff. I watch it too much sometimes. But I was disappointed this uh, Veterans Day. They didn't put on my old D-Day and all that Battle of the Bulge on TV. I usually record them and watch them for two, three months. Nevertheless, I'm pretty savvy on some of that stuff because I've watched it for my, you know, a whole lot. My grandpa was in the Battle of the Bulge. But I want to tell you, it was a very unusual battle strategy that Jehoshaphat employed here in this predicament the plan called for the worshipers and praisers to go out first ahead of the army and that's not normal i want to tell you right now if you know anything about battle strategy normally it starts out with what a barrage of artillery fire i mean no no people on the no boots on the ground they just slam them with 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 whatever artillery they got for a long time 
as much as they can pour on there to try to thin them out before they ever send anybody in on foot. Could this actually be what our worship and praise accomplish in the heavenly realm? I'm here to tell you it is. I'm here to tell you it is. God inhabits the praise of His people. There is something very powerful when we give thanks to God. The song lyrics that day, the head of the army, the artillery barrage, the heavy guns were the ones singing, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Now, you think that scared these armies into killing each other? Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever? I want to suggest something to you. They weren't talking to the armies they were up against. They were talking to themselves. They were reminding themselves of God's goodness, His love, His faithfulness toward them. And it inspired them with faith and it caused God to conquer their enemies. To work on their behalf. To war on their behalf. This message today, if you want to give it a name, call it Fighting Grace. Because if you want to learn how to warfare, you have to learn like I did when I came to God as a grown man to put my weapons and my fists aside and to put this word in my heart and learn how to walk in love and peace and faith. It's the only weapons that we have now. But they're more powerful than anything you could ever muster in your own strength in the natural. Amen? Praise be to God. Give thanks to God. There is power in it. There is power in it. God does inhabit the praise of His people. David, King David used to do this when he was being pursued by overwhelming forces and it seemed hopeless. He would remind himself of God's goodness and give thanks unto God when it seemed like there was nothing to give thanks for. And before you know it, his enemies would be subdued. The same is available to you today. There is great power in giving thanks. We should just pray a prayer together. And commit to this today. Pray with me if you will. Father God. We come before you. We come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain favor. And mercy. In the time of need. Father we want to. Come on board. To commit to giving thanks. Thanks to you. For how good you are and loving. We want to commit to this every day from now on. We want to thank you for our past victories. For all the times that we know you have been there and saved us. And we want to thank you in advance for all the wonderful things you have in store your favor your blessings your provision your love your victory in Jesus name Amen Father thank you for this day and for your word we thank you for loving us so much and for always being there for us even at the times we don't acknowledge you but help us to Hold on to the truth that we've discussed here today. How powerful it is. How spiritually powerful it is when we 
praise you and give you thanks and credit you with all the wonderful things in our life. How it releases power in the spiritual realm for you to work on our behalf. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you play that song for us, Dennis? Yes. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. God bless you all. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His name.